Shalom. Welcome to another episode of Inspiration from Zion. I'm Jonathan Feldstein, and I have the privilege of being your host, coming to you from the Judean Mountains here in Israel. I like to refer to it as the original Bible Belt. Inspiration from Zion is a program, the Genesis 123 Foundation, whose mission is to build bridges between Jews and Christians and Christians with Israel in ways that are new, unique, and meaningful. I pray that you will find this, all of those. Through this program, we're excited to connect you to people and stories in and relating to Israel to give you a window to look through, experiencing aspects of life here that you might not otherwise know about. We want this to be interactive, so please be in touch with us at inspirationfromzion at gmail.com and send along any questions and any comments about any topic, any time. Or you can reach us at genesis123.co or follow and like Inspiration from Zion on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Stay tuned until the end of the program where we're going to send, uh, share with you some exciting offers and opportunities. And please feel free to share this with other people who you know who will also find it of interest. Today, we're going to talk about something that's, well, it's important to me personally. It's important to what we do as part of the Genesis 123 Foundation and with two friends, one very uh, old dear friend and one new friend uh, as well. Uh, we're going to talk about what it is to be a true Christian friend of Israel. And I'm I'm really pleased to have two uh, special guests here who I'm going to introduce in reverse alphabetical order. Uh, first of all, m- my dear friend, and I don't know how long we go back, but but it's been a blessing in my life, Sharon Sanders. Sharon and her husband, Ray, are co-founders of Christian Friends of Israel here in Jerusalem. I don't have enough good things to say about Sharon, and that could probably take a program in and of itself. Over 30 years ago, God called her and her husband, Ray, to come to Israel as true Christian friends of Israel, that they are. They were, in the literal sense of the world, pioneers. Their lives have been rich here, a personification, if you will, of God's promise in Genesis 12, 3 to bless those who bless Israel, but they've also had their challenges, and we're going to discuss that too. Because they paved the path, there were some bumps along the way, but to to any of today's, uh, many of people, many people, sorry, I'm stumbling because it's just so personal, but many people like myself today stand on the shoulders of Sharon and Ray and the foundation that they established building bridges between Jews and Christians. And if I don't say it during the course of the program, and if it's not completely and and unhesitantly understood, I am profoundly grateful for everything that Sharon and, and, and her husband Ray have done. Tristan Hall is the international executive director, as of earlier this year, of Christian Friends of Israel. Tristan, as you'll hear from his voice, is originally from the UK and, and and first came to Israel in 2006 to volunteer for Bridges for Peace, another really significant, super Christian uh, ministry here in Israel. During that time, he coordinated projects which brought together groups of volunteers from all over the world on short-term community-based initiatives throughout Israel. When I read about these, I was really quite overwhelmed. It included planting biblical gardens, painting murals, renovating buildings, staffing school summer camps, and harvesting. This one really touched me because I remember that so vividly, harvesting during the Second Lebanon War in 2006. And these community outreaches were tokens of Christian love and reparation, which sought to heal the sad 
but real age-old rift between Jews and Christians and engender true reconciliation. Remaining on the International Board of Bridges for Peace for some time, Tristan returned to the United Kingdom before eventually relocating with his wife to South Africa to work for the Jewish community there. Tristan ran an outreach of the Zionist Federation in Cape Town to the Christian community called South African Friends of Israel, which I have had the privilege of working with. And I didn't know until today, Tristan, that you were the founder or, or, or that you were connected with that. So I'm grateful for you for, for paving the path there, which has allowed me other opportunities that are so important uh, in South Africa and specifically and in Africa in general. These organically extended during the COVID, uh, COVID lockdown and the aftermath into a humanitarian aid effort to bring uh, sustenance and provisions to some of the poorest townships in South Africa. Tristan and his family have recently left Cape Town and come back to Jerusalem to serve at the, inter- at the Christian Friends of Israel, CFI, and to seek to continue the vision entrusted by Sharon and Ray Sanders and the other co-founders of CFI to see that Christians do continue to fulfill their mandate to stand as true friends of Israel by putting their love into action. And I think that last phrase describes you both. Sharon and Tristan, I'm so thrilled to welcome you to uh, Inspiration from Zion. Very nice to meet you, Jonathan. And thank you for your kind words. Well, it's a it's a it's a real pleasure, uh, Sharon. I want to get started. It's a, it's appropriate to start. We I mentioned the foundation that you and Ray established here, and you weren't the first, but you were among a a, a very very small cadre that's expanded uh, tremendously in the in the in the three plus decades that you're here. Um, I want to so I want to start with that. Where did you get your heart for Israel, and how did can you share also how God called you both? to come here to start CF, uh, CFI in the 80s? Well, Jonathan, it's kind of like uh, sharing a number of generations all wrapped it up into one generation. Um, and so it's, I hope I picked the right words for you to be able for your listeners to try to understand. Um, we were at the height of our professional careers in the United States, and we had our dream home and everything we ever desired. And at that time uh, in life, uh, there was a big move of God through the United States and Europe. And uh, we um, became what Christians call born again, which is not such a Christian uh, background. It goes all the way back to to Judaism. It's no unfamiliar word to you. We did Shuva, came to God, and um, well, there was a book that was popular, The Late Great Planet Earth. We read it. We got excited. We heard about this little nation, and uh, we decided that we would visit it. We did, and uh, came back, never thought anything about it. But in 1985, God spoke to our hearts to leave our professions, our careers, and everything that we owned and had built and come to Israel. That was quite a great big move for us and for our families. But um, he uprooted us from America and planted us here in Israel. At that time, there were um, some constituents from the nations, from England, America, Australia, France. um, And they came together in Jerusalem 
And they thought it would be, they felt in their hearts it was time for a, a new ministry to emerge. And uh, there was a man called Colonel Ord Dobby. He actually was the cousin of Ord Wingate. Wow. Okay. So he was a part of the group. And he said, I know a couple. They're young. They're strong. They're the perfect ones. And we need to say, will you take it? Well, it just so happened to fit us like a glove or a mantle. And uh, from the day one we started, it fit us. And what was to begin as a little coordinating office started to, to grow and grow. And uh, without belaboring it, we just knew God was in it. And we got up every morning, you know, not wanting the day to end. And wow. so... Um, we rolled up our sleeves, went to work. We never had culture shock. We just flowed with it. Um, uh, so anyway, um, what, what started very small began to expand. Uh, and we've had five locations of this ministry. We only moved because we outgrew each place. Okay. So uh, we uh, now are in a temporary home, uh, right in the heart of the gateway to Jerusalem, and uh, hopefully in a few years we'll have a new spot, and we're excited about the future, because the past uh, so far has been so exciting, and I think I'll take that excitement with me all the way to heaven. Yes, well, you will, and and, and in its wake, uh, both today and in the past, and in the future, you've generated a tremendous amount of excitement amongst us. And I, and I say that as an Orthodox Israeli Jew, the people who know what you've done and what you're doing, um, it's, it's just so heartwarming. And we've spoken about that a lot. Tristan, we know you came here in 2006, but what's impressive to me is you didn't, and that was your first time in Israel, you didn't come here on a pastor's trip. You didn't come here just to see the land on and off a bus for 10 or 12 days, but you came here to serve. Um, tell us about how and when God put Israel on your heart and and um, that you're now in this position of such tremendous significance and responsibility today. Yes, yes, you're right. I, I didn't come on a tour. That There is a story behind that. And it's really been, for me, an epic journey, just the way the Lord has unfolded this for me I think the seeds were there from a young age I can't explain it um I remember we went on a family holiday to Cyprus when I was about young 10 or something like that and somehow I got this I got wind that there was this boat trip leaving from where we were staying going to Haifa just um and I remember pleading with my father please can we go you know I want to go to Israel and um, he couldn't understand it. He said, well, you know, we've come to Cyprus for our holiday, not to Israel. <laughs> of course, but I was, I remember, I was so upset that we couldn't go. And um, a couple of years later, a family friend had gone on a trip to the Holy Land on a tour and came back with a scrapbook full of postcards, as people did then. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I remember... Res- having sight of the scrapbook and, and pouring over the photos. And I was just really gripped with it. Um, but it wasn't until a few years later, I think I was about 17. Somehow I, I, um, I'd come to my own faith by that point um, in, in a powerful way. 
a life-changing way. And um, somehow I ended up at this meeting um, in the in the depths of Cornwall, where I'm from. And um, there was a wonderful place that had been begun. It was a hotel, actually. And it had been begun by um, two Methodist ministers and their wives that were from our from our area. And they had left Methodism after many years because they couldn't, they had had a revelation of, of the mystery of Israel, if I can put it that way. And they, they couldn't stand anymore the stance of the modern Methodist church, you know, the, a movement that had begun so wonderfully in the 18th century, but it just kind of, they felt had, had departed from the original um, way of, of perceiving the scriptures, you know, the Charles sure. Weston songs, which were so infused with Christian Zionism. And, and but they, they had big issue with, for example, the membership of the World Council of Churches and um, some of the dubious places where monies were going to through Christian aid. Um, so they, they really felt that they had to leave. Um, and they ended up, what vision that they had was to open this Christian hotel um, and they ran it. It was beautiful. They, they restored it and they, they put a biblical garden in at the back. There were aviaries, there were um, biblical plants. There was a, a, two peacocks called Solomon and Sheba. <laughs> and they, uh, it was a wonderful place. What can I tell you? And they, they, used, they would also have wonderful celebrations of, of biblical Moedim, you know, the feasts of the Lord. Um, and they would, that was where I first really encountered that I remember going to the a tabernacle celebration and it changed my life. So I think a lot also stemmed back to there. And, and since then, what can I tell you? I just feel that the Lord has, has injected it into my my faith from from the earliest times. Well, what's so interesting, actually, I, I realized as you were speaking, we have a mutual friend, Jerry West. Who and, and Ruth Walker, who were just here uh, a few weeks ago, and we, I got to visit, you got to visit. They were in parallel, uh, and, and comes to mind because they're here and they're they're when they're here, they're always very very hands on. They're connecting in it, and but they but they didn't come here yet, as you did in two thousand and six, just to plunk down and serve. And be here for an indefinite period, and and that's not a that's not a, a criticism whatsoever. It's just that you, there's something tremendous when I when I read that your first trip here was to be here and serve and connect. I just that overwhelms me. So it's it, that alone sets you up so well for this position. Um, t- so we're talking about it. You're you're you've inherited this responsibility for CFI and. And its entire international operation. And I should mention, and I don't want to forget, anybody who wants to connect with Christian Friends of Israel should do so at cfijerusalem.org uh, to reach Tristan and Sharon and 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 all about all the things that we're going to discuss today and the many more that we're not going to get a chance. But now you've inherited from the co-founder, and you're sitting. Uh, uh, we're we're recording this. Uh, by Zoom, so I get to see you. You're literally sitting together in the corner office. What's it like to be stepping into the shoes of Sharon that that Sharon and Ray filled so completely for so many decades? It's such a privilege um, to to work and to be um, tutored, really, by by Sharon. Um, it's as you said, she she's been here 
for the long haul. And she was one of the early ones in, in our movement that, that came, was sent by the Lord to this place. Um, so to be able to work with Sharon um, is really a great privilege for me. Um, my wife had worked for Sharon um, back in um, about 15 years ago for some years and um, had just a wonderful time, wonderful, wonderful years working with Sharon at CFI and with Ray. And um, so it, it's, although, as you say, I wasn't actually with CFI myself, but I knew Sharon and I always admired the ministry of CFI. Um, and I, I just loved the, the projects that they ran um, and the, the relationship building, um, bringing reconciliation, everything that had been put into this ministry that really was, I think, I believe, raised up by the Holy Spirit. So it's it's my really great pleasure. And um, Sharon's also great fun. She's not just, she's just the, the excitement and the, the fun. She, she seems to have no end of, of energy. Um, I yeah. mean, I know there, there is, she's human like the rest of us, but she's, she's really somebody that hasn't grown weary in doing good, which sometimes you see that in people. They just kind of reach the end. And, um, but it's not like that for Sharon. No, you're right. You know, I'm so glad you said that because you summarize that uh, so well. Every time I'm uh, with Sharon, I'm always, first of all, I'm, I'm not, I realize that I don't get to visit and spend enough time with her, but also that there is that abundant energy, that abundant passion, the drive and that comes out in all the conversations. And Sharon, one of the, and maybe this is actually a good setup to the next question or, or, or thought for you, which is the flip side. Um, this is like, a, this has been your baby. Um, and, and, and in fact, when you came here, it was a conscious choice to leave your family behind in America at that time and raise up this child. So now you're sitting next to the man who's, who's, your successor. What's that like for you? <laughs> okay, well, Jonathan, that's a that's a heap of a question. Let me let me say what it was like at first. Yeah. To realize that it was really happening, that um, you know, I had the opportunity to, to come back um, and uh, administrate the ministry and a lot of things we got to do. But you know, it hit me one day, and it was was like for Ray and I, in a way, like a funeral. It was like a death that occurred. And we became sad. And we became, uh, what are we worth now? We have, you know, this is our life. Uh, what do we? And then we, one day God showed us, the Lord showed us, you know, uh, now is your opportunity to use everything you learn, everything you've gained, and became wiser on hopefully and be able to share it with other particularly Christians all over the world because they haven't had the opportunity to walk in our shoes. They haven't had the opportunity to go the places that we've, we've been allowed to go and also to live as a minority in a Jewish state. So when I used to cry and think, oh, I want to go out on all the outreaches. I want to sit with the Holocaust survivors and, and love them and hear their stories and all the stuff that's going on here at CFI. And then I got the peace. 
I got the peace from God that says, now you've done all that. Now you need to share it. And so, um, you know, as humans, we have the will to choose in this life. And I'm glad we chose God's will to uproot from our homeland we were born in to come to Israel. Yeah. Because it's been the hardest years of our lives, but it's been the best years of our lives. And nothing begins to compare with it. I mean, when you think of traveling to 55 countries, many, many times and nations and meeting people from all over the world and working with people from all over the world, it is just so exciting. So from the funeral, I decided that the thing to do is to grab a hold of what is new for me. And of course, Ray has Parkinson's, so I will let our our viewers and listeners, our, our listeners know that he did retire because of Parkinson's, but he's very much with me. And I can only say that I've grabbed a hold of what I think God wants me to do in the future. And um, that is to write, to teach, to do webinars, podcasts right. today and share because I have a lot to share, I think. Not too many of my friends have lived this long here or experienced what I've experienced. And I'm happy to say that I, I loved every day of every year. Amazing. And I still pinch myself to say you really are in Jerusalem. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll add one more statement and stop. No matter how long we lived here, I feel like I've just arrived. Wow. I love that. I love that. I want to take a quick break. Um, and and come back and dig and, and give a shameless plug for you and the things that you do have to to teach and share with others um, and, and dig in a little bit deeper on all of this uh, the the foundation and 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 the future. So let's just take a break and come right back. When you think of Jerusalem, you probably think of its historic and biblical sites. Run for Zion is a trip unlike any other. You will join tens of thousands of Israelis interacting with Jerusalem as you never have and never imagined you would. You'll connect with and bless Israelis of all backgrounds. If you've never been to Israel and are dying to come visit, or haven't been for a while and can't wait to get back, Run for Zion is the opportunity for you. And now, if you register today, you can join us for as little as $29. Yes, that's for real, just $29. Run for Zion is a pilgrimage and service experience that gets you out of the tour bus, interacting with the people and the land. Check out runforzion.com for details and come run for Zion and bless Israel with every step. So Sharon, before we took uh, that break, you had shared, you had said that you realized um, that it was from not an end in a bad way, a funeral, but a celebration and ability to to allow you to communicate and do the things that we've been speaking about for years. And long before, at least I was aware of any hint of stepping back or retiring or changing. But we've been speaking about that communication and the books. So first of all, I, I want to say a shameless plug for your newest book, a principle and a promise. Let's see, did you, you inscribed it for me. It's not dated, but it was about a month, maybe two months ago. Uh, I have to tell you, I don't think I did. I Maybe I did. I jumped right in and that's a hard book to put down. 
to put down. It's a, it's so well done and so personal and so biblically founded. Now, I know you wrote that for Christians and you just said before the break that you have things to share with Christians, but I have to tell you that I want to recommend, I do recommend this book for Jews. We have to, because in it, you're sharing your heart about why you are who you are, you individually and you collectively. And we need to understand that. And for people who don't have this, listening to the conversation here, or the privilege to know you as I do and, and what you and, and Ray built up and what Tristan is now inheriting, everything that happens, this is, it's quite consequential. So I, I, I want to, I, I, people can get that at the CFI website, correct? Right. Okay. www.cfijerusalem.org. They can go Terrific. there. Okay, great. Um, Tristan, they they are big shoes to fill. And Sharon mentioned, we were talking about her family, at least my metaphor, that this is like a child of theirs. Um, you've transported your whole family here. Now, not that Jerusalem is strange and Sharon just had a beautiful line that every day feels like it's new, but you, you have young children. Um, how's that been uh, coming here? Well, yes, that was one of our concerns with all the moving Jonathan was, you know, how will it impact on them? And um, so we prayed, we just prayed and asked, asked Abba, the Lord, if he would just help them, help them, give them the excitement, give them the, the love in their hearts for this place, because um, it's not something you, you can encourage, but you can't do it for them. Um, and what can I tell you? He has. He's honored that prayer. And without us needing to try, they were so excited to come on this journey um, and see these places. And we would only been here days. And the middle one um, was just reflecting how this was her home. And um, she was excited <laughs> to be here. Um, it's inexplicable, really, because they did, as everybody that comes, they, whether Jewish or Gentile, one leaves behind family, friends, relationships, work, places where there are memories. There's, there's a cost to pay. Um, and for children that come with their parents, they don't have a decision in that. Um, but they've, they've also paid their dues, but they've, they've, they're reaping rewards in, in other ways. And it's amazing. I can only attribute it to the Almighty that they've been assisted through this time. I think, too, for them, they've had a different experience growing up to what I had, for example, um, and my wife, you know, we had Things just didn't change in our childhood. Um, it was things just carried on and we, we didn't move around. We grew up in the same town. Um, um, Galia's from, you know, me and Cornwall and Galia from the other side of the world. But we we didn't have this life that they've had. But they we've also moved before. You know, we moved from, um, from the UK to, to South Africa. That was a um, kind of preparation in a way for this move to the to the Middle East for them. Um, and they seem to be relishing in it. I don't think I would have done, um, but they are. It's so not easy. Are. You know, we made Aliyah 18 years ago. I had five kids ranging from three till 11. And we had raised them with the idea, we gave them all Hebrew names with the idea that we were eventually coming here. We sent them to Jewish schools where they were taught, not in a bad way, but indoctrinated that this was our place and this is where we were going to come. And nevertheless, it's one of the funny things. There's so many things in parenting that no one ever teaches us that we just have to buckle up and and get ready. But I'll never forget the plane touchdown. We were a plane load of new immigrants. And there was a little voice behind me 
that said, put me on the next plane back to America. I want to go back to America right now. Oh. And, and it was my seven-year-old. Oh. And for the first month, she had a mantra of yeah. not being happy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, with, all of these are, are normal bumps along the way in raising children and taking them away from everything that they know uh, and, and coming to a different society. But I'm, I'm, I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad to hear, and we should all be praying for that continued, uh, continued success. Sharon, you had said a few minutes ago um, that, that every day has been a blessing and, and it's, and it's interesting also, I like your perspective. Um, I don't think about it on a cognizant, but, but that every day it's like something new. Uh, but that it's not been all these decades. I know it's a tough question, but could you point to the top one or two most meaningful or fulfilling experiences that you've had here? Well, again, that's hard. I know. Every every day is a new experience in some way. I think one of the greatest experiences I've ever had in my life was a, an Orthodox Jewish man from Meir Shreem, actually his grandfather was chief rabbi of Hungary, and he knocked on our door. But let and, me just interject, Sharon, uh, because some people listening won't know that Meir Shreem means that he's not just Orthodox like myself, but ultra-Orthodox. Well, yes, he, he wasn't so ultra. He's between Orthodox and ultra. He wasn't high old, ultra. Okay. Okay, so because he knocked on our door. And right. he said, Christian friends of Israel, I didn't know we had any. Well, now some people think that's funny. I think it's sad as sad can be. So I said, no, sir, um, we're Christian friends of Israel. He came in and visited with my husband. And for two years, they built a friendship. And then he reached out to me. So I'll get to your question. That was one of the highlights because Rabbi Yaakov, decided that he had met some special people and he wanted his people to know about us and how many are there of you and well he spent 18 years really on staff with us he taught Hebrew he taught us uh, Hebrew prayers he uh, and then he reached out to me look one of my strongest desires is to teach the Torah to Christians. Now I know amongst Jewish circles, I've been here long enough. So oh, the question is, should they, should Christians teach Torah? You know, <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. That, that, and a woman, <laughs> but uh, you know, Yaakov didn't make him any difference because he became like a father and a grandfather to me. And basically see if I became his life. Well, he paid a price because a lot of his friends didn't understand why he wanted anything to do with Christians. And he's, he was the best thing that ever happened to me and to our ministry, to our staff, and taught us so much. And uh, so that is one of the highlights. The other highlight, I'll just, you know, of many, 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 was to take a cargo and um, airplanes to the Ukraine, which now, uh, obviously, we have a problem in Ukraine, but we used to go back and forth to Belarus and we'd go back and forth to Kirovograd and, and, and near Kiev and all around the country. And what did we do? We took cargo. I organized cargo, tons of cargo on the planes to try to locate Holocaust survivors in the Ukraine who had come back after the Holocaust. 
I never knew what I, that we were going to face what we faced. Um, of course, the, the embassies knew we were coming. They prepared for us. They prepared the way. We had a contact in the Jewish community. He, you know, opened the way for us. And we found many, many people who, since they came back from the Holocaust and resettled in the Ukraine, never hardly left their apartments because they were afraid to go outside because of anti-Semitism. Uh, and we were able to take simple things, bread, uh, oil, you know, canned goods from Israel, things like this, all kinds of things, postcards, tell them all about the land. It was a marvelous time of our life. I shall never forget it as long as I live because so many beautiful things happen. And um, it's a longer story, but um, I'll tell you about the whole thing sometime, how the blessing came back on me wow. as Ray let me go on that those trips and uh the blessings just were poured out more than I could ever imagine I just touched on it in the book but I hope to write a book about it well we will we'll look forward to that and it's a great cliffhanger for people not cliffhanger in a bad way but but let, let that will be a, a, a really lovely conversation I know you have a big heart for holocaust survivors and and uh CFI has done a great deal over the years uh, for Holocaust survivors. Tristan, I wonder when you think about that, uh, it's specifically relating to Holocaust survivors because in another generation, there'll be none. Mm-hmm. And and everything that CFI has done and, and is doing, what's your vision for taking these decades of success and and, and building up for the future, albeit with it, there won't be that one piece that's so, I don't know, is it fair to say defined one of the things that CFI has been so passionate and good about? Yes, yes. No, I'm glad you asked me that question because I was just speaking to the ladies that we have that work on, uh, we call it Forsake Them Not, that's the our Holocaust survivor outreach. And um, these two ladies, you know, these two ladies are so incredible it's it's their whole life this ministry that they have to the to serve the holocaust survivors and they we were talking about obviously this is a project with a shelf life as you say it's it's these dear ones won't be with us forever but they they as i also really feel that we're entering into a maybe there's another five or ten years to really give all we've got in, in this particular project to, and we would like to resource it more, not less, um, because as these people are now basically in yes. the 80s or 90s, um, yes. I mean, they, they did it, they told me last week that the youngest person they visited was 92. Um, and they, but they've been visiting people for years and they've been building relationships and breaking down walls of mistrust. I mean, the kind of, um, conversations they have now from when it began from what i've been told is it's worlds apart um so we would love to invest more into that actually in over the next several years rather than less um yes particularly as these people now are many coming into their final days and um sometimes people need more support the the loneliness can become more intense and the tendency to remember things of the past can become more profound um, towards the end of, of life 
So um, yeah, we we would love to resource that more um, with the help of our our Christian friends all over the world. Great. Yeah, Sharon, you wanted to add to that. I just wanted to say that project, that outreach, was based on Jeremiah three three seventeen. I think it was. For God said, "I will heal thee of thy wounds," saith uh-huh. the Lord. And I take that that we take the healing balm, the love of God, to these Jewish people who have suffered so much. And one said to us, "Oh." You're 2,000 years late, but thank God. <laughs> <laughs> I had a Beautiful. unique experience as a church I work with in Canada that I, it was their initiative. I'm, I'm so grateful that I was privileged to be part of it. They asked, could they send uh, greeting cards for the high holidays for Rosh Hashanah? Mm-hmm. So because the mail here isn't always so reliable, I had them send it to an address in America, where on one of my trips, I knew I could pick them up. They made the cards in the summer, and I brought them home in the summer. But just last month, had the privilege of handing them out to a group of about 50 survivors. And I knew it was important. Um, I, I, I've met, engaged with survivors most of my life um, in my family. But when I had the privilege of meeting these entire strangers... And explaining that these cards, handmade cards with lovely notes from Christians in Canada, it made their day. It was so, it was, but it's not intuitive because unfortunately in, in most of Europe, in the time that they grew up and the things that they suffered, a lot of the suffering came at the hands of the church there and then. Yeah. And it's not intuitive at all. So we get to bless them, but we also get to... um heal that rift of of what they believe and look at Christians and Christianity is about. That's real important. It wasn't intentional, but Sharon, actually that leads also to uh, something I wanted to ask because in general, your life and your orientation and the, and the most recent book, A Principle and a Promise, you address a lot of very pivotal things relating to anti-Semitism and replacement theology Obviously, replacement theology emanating from the church, anti-Semitism has multiple dimensions to it. Um, can you share a bit? You, you, and it's you address it with a passion. It's it seems like if if I could, if I could identify one of the things that's driving you is to fix those things, and maybe that's a mis mis uh, identification. I don't know, but regardless of whether I'm accurate or not in my assessment. Can you share a bit about how you've been successful in 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 breaching the the rift of anti-Semitism and replacement theology emanating from the church? Well, Jonathan, um, it is one of my passions. I have a deep, deep burden for the church and the nations, what is called the church. Um, there's a growing interest in Israel, but at the same time, there's a growing apathy. So we've you know, it, it's not easy. Uh, unfortunately, anti-Semitism is the poison that was injected right into the hearts of Christians who follow Jesus for centuries. And it, it, it's, it's never left. It's still there as a poison. And may I say, because we have a large Christian audience here as Christians, Um, It's my heart's desire for us to fess up to the fact 
that some of what is called the church forefathers, which are gen were Gentiles, made their own doctrines and uh, through also translation, a few translation mistakes that can make a big difference. Uh, very important. And uh, translators were mostly Gentiles for the, the New Testament. Well, actually, <laughs> as we go to the new museum in Tel Aviv, we will find that all, all the Christians that were first were all Jews. It's, it's, it's in the new in the new museum, truth does come out, but the problem is when everybody died and uh, the Gentiles kind of took over, they said, basically, we'll take everything you've got. We'll take your Bible. We'll take your God. Uh, uh, we'll take Messiah. We'll take all these things. We don't want you Jews. And so, please, <laughs> my heart is breaking for the Christian church to come home how do I mean home is to return to her foundations, which is in Jerusalem, which is Hebraic foundations. We don't have Islamic foundations. We don't have uh, all these other religious uh, foundations. Uh, our, our foundation goes deep into the soil of Israel. Yeah. And so it's time to return because we're in an era now. We're not going back to the old era. We're going forward into Bible prophecy. And if you don't know Bible prophecy, I, I encourage you to get in a place, a kehillah, a congregation that does teach Bible prophecy and that includes Israel. Because, again, as you said, we're talking basically to Christians. Uh, if you believe that Jesus is returning as a Christian, well, he's not coming back to a nation flying the Palestinian flag. It's going to be the Jewish flag. And, and to understand the future, you have to include Israel. You yes. can't live, leave Israel out of your theology, your faith, your emunah, your, your trust in God. So my, that's, that's deep in my heart. And so I hope that those who are part of the real avid interest in Israel will grab a hold and, you know, write us, connect with us all so yes. that we can share more. We can teach more. I spent my life writing articles and one was the missing link in Christianity, which is Israel today. And uh, Jesus's red letter word salvation is of the Jews. Let's talk about it. Let's reason together. Yeah. Let's learn and I believe that we'll have a significant number of those who started here in Jerusalem come back home. So I want to just follow up one quick thing. You were talking about uh, mistranslation of the Bible. And sometimes that's purposeful with an editorial yeah. agenda. And sometimes it's ignorant. And, and, and there's a lot of ignorance. And that's not in a pejorative way. They're just people don't know. A blast, I remember vividly last winter we were speaking. I, I think I had asked you for a reference, a, a biblical reference, and I don't remember what it was, but you shared with me a, a, a copy, what the, the, the copy of the Bible that you like to refer to others because of the integrity of the translation in English, and you gave me a copy. It's the first Bible that I own that has the Old and New Testament. I don't want anyone listening to think that you're somehow trying to proselytize me. I asked and I'm thrilled to have it, and I have it in another room, so I can't reach it. But for people who are 
who are listening and want to know where's an authentic place that I can read in English the word. What's the what's the 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 translation that you recommend? Well, uh, the translation that I find so easy for Christians to understand is it's called the Complete Jewish Study Bible. Now, a whole lot of of Christian scholars and Jewish scholars are part of this whole compilation. Got it. It's people who we can trust, who are knowledgeable, and especially the Jewish scholars in the Hebrew. And this has been put together. And it's so easy to understand. You can take your English King James Bible. You can take, uh, you know, the international version, whatever version you're reading. But go to the study Bible, the the complete Jewish study Bible. Good. Thank you. And you compare and I can I can only um, say that you will be awakened to in the English great it will be the Hebraic um, meaning in the English is that and, available at cfijerusalem.org? It will be soon. We're okay. putting together a new Christian a Jewish Christian education department. Great. It will be available. Yes, great, terrific. Okay, I want to take another quick break. And then come back to you uh, to to this, and Tristan ask you kind of the flip side also from a new per, new generation moving forward specifically as we were talking earlier in terms of uh, anti-Semitism and replacement theology. But let's just take a quick break. I want to pause in the conversation for just a moment to invite you to join us in one of the really incredible programs that we do as part of the Genesis One Two Three Foundation. This year we have been going out all throughout the Judean mountains to show love to soldiers who are stationed keeping us safe from the threat of terrorism. It doesn't matter if we're in a burning heat wave or temperatures below freezing before the wind chill. They are out there guarding strategic points that have a high risk of terrorism. And thanks to the support of many people like you, we are pleased to bring them homemade hot soup in the cold of winter and cold drinks and sweet watermelon in the heat of summer. Any donation is meaningful and helps us to bless the soldiers. You can join us and donate at genesis123.co slash bless a soldier. That's genesis123.co slash bless a soldier. And when you do, you also have the opportunity to send along your own personal words of thanks and blessings to the soldiers guarding the land and protecting the people. Please join us. Okay, so I, I don't know. I, I, Sharon, you and I could sit together for hours and I'm always entranced and it's never enough, uh, but I hope other people are. I think that I think that this is just an appetizer to really get into your heart. And, you, and I'm speaking about both of you and everything that you're, that, you, that you're doing and that you stand for. But Tristan, you, you're now in the, in the driver's seat, the corner office. Um, you have the responsibility as international executive director chart a path for CFI into the future. Um, what what specifically addressing anti-Semitism and replacement theology do you see that needs to be done? One of the things that I have always admired about CFI's projects is that they are they're relational based. They are focusing on people um, and relationships and, and 
that's where it's in the nitty gritty of, of, of building trust and and pulling down misunderstandings. Um, and I think this is something where we need to continue to focus because it's not um, a job you can do in, in a generation and then it's done. You've kind of, you're right. told now. You said a prayer, um, you asked for forgiveness, you, you, you did some good works and then, and then it's, it's over. You, because sadly, it, it is passed from generation to generation, both within Christianity, with, with replacement theology, anti-Semitism, and also the repercussions of that with Jewish people. Um, and I've seen it with my own eyes one of the most poignant experiences I had here was um, years ago when I lived here before we were working in a high school, um, putting in a, a biblical garden, actually. And a, a big group of, of Americans uh, come over from Florida. And um, these, these kids, you know, teenagers, they were, you know, the so curious wondering who are these people in our school and lots of conversations. Some of them were helping us, the teachers encouraged it. It was, it was a kind of a, a joint effort and uh, they were young and and one of them said to me you know they'd assume we were jewish we were come over from the jewish community in, in florida and i said no this is a christian group oh, well, they, they were flabbergasted <laughs> um, and and this this one girl about 14 and she just said innocently she said you're not jewish you're christian she said but why don't you hate us wow and i thought oh my goodness like this conditioning is actually carried passed on to the next generation and i'd i'd heard the saying you've probably heard it that every jewish person is four thousand years old <laughs> i never have that's a good one <laughs> so aware of the the history of, of the, the jewish people um and sometimes we have a disconnect in western christian societies now where we there's a crisis of identity people don't know their history they, they've become divorced from it and part of that is to do with modern edu- education breakdown of family um but it's still very much part of the fabric of jewish society in israel thanks to god um but it can work another way as well where she's these youngsters fresh-eyed you know that they're, they're growing up in a different generation and, and yet they've inherited this perspective that the outside world hates us. Yes. They, they want to see us fail. We've got to fight for survival. And, and the, in particular, the Christians hate us. And um, so yeah. if even for one person, we are there to say, no, you know, we've, we've come, we want to be a, a friend, a true friend. We right. stand with you in the good times and the bad times. And, um, and if it's all for that, then it's worth it. Yeah. So That's I answer your question, I... I see continuing to find ways of, of building relationships with individuals, not just the Holocaust survivors, but youngsters too, not just people in the land, but the ones coming back. Um, for example, with the Olim, maybe it was easy to, to think of maybe some of our projects, you know, distributing clothes to people from Eastern Europe that were coming back. Um, you know, this was such a big work in the in 90s and all through 2000s, and, and maybe times were changing. We, we, I know we'd at CFI had focused less on clothing and, and we're acquiring electrical goods, new electrical appliances to, to distribute. But then the Ukrainian um, situation arose. And we've been, when I arrived in back in April, I spent some time in the, in the CFI distribution center and I was very moved. Um, the place was absolutely chock a block with people just pouring in through the doors. 
um, people that had really just got off the plane a few days before. They all had different stories. They hadn't all just come from the Ukraine. Obviously, they'd found their way here by hook or by crook. Yes. Poland and Moldova and different places. And some of them only had the shirts on their back, you know. Correct. So this work is not finished. Correct. Uh, it goes on in a, in a new era. And, um, and we want to just be receptive to the Lord's um, strategies to help us to fulfill the needs uh, as they arise and so that we can continue to be a true friend as Ruth was to Naomi. Yeah, that's beautiful. Let me ask you a, a follow-up that's kind of a tangent and, and related. You spoke about the next generation, young people, and it is sad. It is sad that young Jewish people, decades before they were born, um, still inherit the the hatred that were, was felt toward us, um, and and centuries. Um, and and I believe that that's breaking down, and that's part of my mission. It's not just when I talk about building bridges. It's not just a one way street building bridges, me with Christians, but the reverse, helping Jews understand that this is not the church of the 1930s and 40s and and of, and of the uh, Inquisition, etc. But Tristan, you've inherited the the responsibility for CFI at a critical time in Jewish-Christian relations from a different perspective. Last year, I know you know, there were two surveys indicating a 50% drop in support among young Christians for Israel. And you're younger. You're, I think you're younger than I. You have, you, I'm guessing you have young children. You don't have, uh, from visually, you don't have as many gray hairs as I do. So taking the reins, how do you and CCFI working to turn the turn the tide of the trend of young Christians just not caring or not, or or actively not supporting Israel? Yeah, that, that's a profound question. Um, I would, I mean, the obvious one, the obvious answer that springs to mind is, and we're all trying to do it, all the ministries in different ways, um, is to make more of an impact in social media. Um, which is where a lot of young people are dwelling, um, not so much in the books and magazines of yesteryear, important though they are still, um, but so much more is communicated through video and through audio and um, in a, a way as never before. And we, we need to increase our presence in that space and find um, creative and maybe um, alternative ways of doing so i mean the algorithms are stacked against us um, <laughs> the message that we carry is inherently not popular in the popular space even within the christian world um, so we may need to find unorthodox ways of, of reaching younger christian people with the message that's been entrusted to us um, so that we can fight against a lot of the lies that have been put out there i mean a leopard never changes its spots and of course, anti-Semitism is condemned on, on an official level, not only on governmental level, but also in the church. But it morphs, doesn't it? It shapeshifts into now it's, it's anti-Zionism. Is, sure. Is so rampant now, but it's nothing more than anti-Semitism by a different name. It, it's become OK to um, bash Israel and boycott Israel, BDS movement um, but whilst at the same time saying, oh, but I support the Jewish people. I've got nothing against the Jewish people. Um, and it's a bit of an oxymoron, isn't it? When, you know, it's Israel is mostly made up of Jewish people. It's the majority. Correct. 
Um, so to say you you love the Jewish people, but you, you're diametrically opposed to the state of Israel, it's actually a fallacy. It's a deception that, that people are, are becoming conceited by this. And it, it's running, it's galloping over, over the world through social media. So we, we need to engage in this battle in, and just redouble our efforts in that space. Um, and also model it on this side with, with what we do and, and making opportunities for young people to come and mm-hmm. join us. Um, that it's a welcome space um, for however long people can commit. Um, and we, we would say come if any, anyone listening yeah. is, is, would love to come to Israel. But, you know, they've got college studies waiting ahead and um, financial you know, constraints. They can't come for a long period of time. Just connect. Come. We, we, can, um, we want mm-hmm. to find ways of, of making the journey that we're taking open to as many people. And, and to show the reality well i want to just interject something that i'm really loving it's a, it's too bad this is not a video production and it's an audio because i'm loving watching the body language between the two of you the affirmation the, the tristan that your 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 deep uh attention to when sharon is speaking and what she's got to say and and clearly even if you've heard the exact same words before which probably uh, not all the time but but much you're you're in the moment and Sharon, your affirmation of what Tristan is saying simply from your body language. I I'm really admiring that. And it, it, it encourages me to know that you're, you, you, you've passed the torch, uh, the baton from one to the other in this way. That's a, that's um, maybe not seamless. Nothing is, but, but uh, with, with tremendous mutual respect. And I, and I just want to comment on that because people can't see it, but it's very visible. So um so I, I, I like that. Uh, Sharon Ray, uh, sorry, Ray. Um, Tristan was just talking about the young people and, and, and this really, really sad instance of a young girl assuming that Christians hate Jews. Um, you've experienced lots of pushback. You, you obviously had that uh, lovely blessing in your life with Rabbi Yaakov and coming in and becoming a dear friend and partner, but you've experienced pushback and distrust all of these years that you're here, how do you explain to Jews listening and, and for Christians listening as well, that you're for real, not you, you specifically Christian Zionists, CFI uniquely, and that the suspicions are unfounded. Well, I'll start with an example and then I hope I can answer your question properly, Jonathan. Um, we were in our office one day and a famous rabbi came in from New York and I always wanted to meet you too. And so I've come in to meet you. And he sat down and he said, you know, I grew up in New York and he said, uh, I've hated Christians all my life. Wow. And he said, you know, when I was small, when I was little, um, you know, I came in contact with little Christian boys and girls and they made fun of me and called me names and all these things. I ended up just, I hated them all my life. He said, you know, I really never knew there was a Gentile world, but I came to know that. And, you know, I said, Rabbi, you know, kind of like my life. I, I grew up in the Midwest of America Um, There were no Jewish people in our community at all. I had no idea 
about anything at that point. And I said, um, I never knew there were any Jewish people. <laughs> but you know what? We talked. And one of the things I told him, I said, this is what our mission statement says. We believe that Jesus is the savior of the world. And we also believe he's the Messiah. But our stand alongside of Israel is unconditional. It, it doesn't, you know, we're not going to try to change something when it's God that is in control. And so our love is based unconditionally everywhere we go, whatever we do. Um, and I have been straight out with all my friends. Uh, you know, I, it may not be so popular with Christians because our love is unconditional. But that is exactly what Jesus taught us. And uh, that's what we're following. And I just hope more and more Jewish people will understand that we understand the role of Israel in the future. We understand Israel has a future. We understand our faith and our trust, which is as solid as a rock. But we also know all this terrible wrong that has been done. And the burden is to represent who we represent in the right way. And if we can't be humble and thank Israel for the great debt we owe her, because everything we've got came from Israel, then we better ask God if we really are Christians, because there's just too much out there that is anti-Israel. There are, what's another word for old wives' tales, things that... Fables. Fables, you know. We're here to speak the truth about Israel. And if there's anything I do want to say is, if you're in a church that won't speak about Israel or has nothing but negative to say about Israel, I say this with love. Start searching for another one. Wow. That does teach the whole counsel of God. That doesn't mean the New Testament only. Those are the stories about Jesus and what he did. But the Bible is Genesis to Malachi and that's what Jesus taught Christians was the Torah. And if you're afraid of the word Torah, just come to us and let us explain to you what it is. It's something you don't want to go through your Christian life missing. And I say it with lots of love because I have a deep burden for all my brothers and all my sisters in the Christian church around the world. I, I, I love, Sharon, how I asked the question about how you will help Jews understand that suspicions of that that peep that we the, the four thousand years that we've inherited that you refer to tristan um are unfounded and i love that your answer was to affirm to christians that your understanding of israel needs to be biblically rooted and it's, and it's in your book too and i want to just again uh plug the a principle and a promise for jews and christians it's very important I just think that we un- need to understand what unconditional love is. Yep, 100%. Actually, that's what Jesus taught us. And now do we understand what it is? 
that that's yeah great i i, I um tristan is there it, it seemed like there was something maybe you wanted to add to that uh i wasn't i welcome it i i just thinking about this the scripture um you know from from zechariah 8 23 um i just you know it says about in those days 10 men from every language of the nation shall grasp the sleeve of the Jewish man saying, let us go with you, for we have heard that God is with you. Um, and this is, this is the exciting thing about the, the scriptures um, all the way through, um, as you say, from Genesis to Malachi, it's, there's these things that are said that we haven't yet seen the complete fulfillment of. I think sometimes in some Christian churches, there's very much a sense that those books have been done, completed and fulfilled. They can be wrapped up and put on the shelf. And now um, it, it's in a new era. Um, and yet we see things so often that, that actually have, have not yet been fulfilled. Um, so it's wonderful to operate in a space where we're helping to see, um, to reach towards things that are spoken of in the scriptures. What could be more exciting than that? And, and also to encourage Jewish people here that, you know, we're, I think many are, are thinking about being a light to the nations and what that really means, that responsibility. And, and, and maybe in times past, there wasn't as much focus on that as there is now. And, and it can be quite shocking, I think, for some Jewish people, that people from all over the world are coming here seeking to learn and seeking to, to become connected to Israel in some way. And, uh, and there's this, this shift happening where even amongst Jewish people, where there's more of a an awareness of that and, and responsibility, such as yourself, Jonathan, you know, reaching out and bridging out to to the to the Gentiles, to the nations, to the Christians, um, and 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 becoming a, a link between the two. Um, it, it's actually a, a beautiful thing that's taking place. It is a beautiful thing. Yeah, go ahead, Sharon. Wouldn't you encourage people to come here and see this land? Because. When I became, I believe, a real Christian, not just in name, but in deeds, I started digging like someone digs up a treasure. And they don't stop digging. They just keep (laughs) going, 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 going. And when you read the Jewish scriptures, I mean, I never want to stop. I mean, word by word. I mean, there's so much depth in everything. That's why I'm excited about uh, seeing God one day and saying, God, I did all I could, and now I'm ready to learn from you all about every letter and every jot and tittle and all about it through eternity because it will be all about God. And I just encourage Christians to come here and do their own digging. You can do a dig if you want to do a dig and unearth the earth or, you know, go through the earth. But if you go to museums, that new ones are coming, new archaeological finds, excavations everywhere. Uh, come and see what you're missing. <laughs> yeah. And uh, just to add to that, around, we're around the time of Sukkot now, Tabernacles. And um, correct, it's reminded me of a conversation I had with someone in our, our group um, back in the UK and, and just we were talking about tabernacles and she said, but it's all finished, you know, it's all fulfilled. And I said, but what about Zechariah 14? You know, it says that it speaks about a future time when all the nations of the world will be required to come up to Jerusalem to, to celebrate in this feast of tabernacles. And those that don't come will get no rain. I mean, this, this has never happened to to this day. It's not speaking about now. It's speaking about a future time. 
Um, so it's not all done and dusted. And there, there is much more to Tabernacles than many of us actually know. So um, I think it's exciting to be able to dwell on these things and to, in some small way, um, be part of them. It, it, it's, am- it's amazing. And you help frame something that I know intuitively that we, of course, look at, at Bible, at the Tanakh, Torah, um, differently than you and that's great but everyone every you look at parenting different than i not be, but because we're different people we have, everyone has a different prism and when you're reading these verses from zechariah i'm realizing something that it's intuitive but worth bearing out we as jews typically don't look at the significance of gentiles in our lives in in the bible although there you go. There's a prophecy of of, of a, the Gentiles partnering, participating, being part. And uh, I, I forget. I think Tristan, you mentioned Ruth earlier. There, she's one, and Rahab, and uh, and um, Jethro. I mean, th- th- there's a lot of what Jews need to think is that yes, it's our Bible, and Moses took it, and and God revealed it, but but. It's something that we all embrace together from our different perspectives. And that's a, it's an awkward thing for Jews to wake up to as well. So I'm glad that you said it the way you did. And I'm glad it came up in the context of how are we helping to Jews to understand that this is, this is uh, borrowing. Sharon will know this. I don't know, Tristan, if you know the old uh, Oldsmobile commercial that was on in the States, but it's not your father's a grandfather's Oldsmobile. This is a very different right. era that we're in. Right, right. Yeah. I don't even if they know if they still make Oldsmobiles. Um, <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't think so. We're driving Chevys to the levee. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, I, I have one more question, um, and it's and it's the foundation of it. I I, I went on the CFI Jerusalem website. I wanted just to be a little bit more aware cognitively before speaking today a a, a lot of the outreaches that you do are with new immigrants holocaust survivors terror victims soldiers new brides i didn't know about that ethiopian israelis underprivileged israelis in general and and many more and we spoke about the holocaust survivors and that this is the last generation and i like the fact that you both affirm that we need to be doing more so if i were to come to you i full disclosure i don't have it but if i were to come to you with a million dollars right now race over to the office and give you an envelope full of cash or a check or send it by electronically, what would be your priorities? What would be, what would be your, what would, where would you plunk some of that short-term and where would you invest long-term? Well, I would say, first of all, we would take a look at the most needy communities. Okay. Being, uh, we have assessed the Ethiopian Jewish communities, many things we can do there. You know, takes them electronics for jobs, uh, women, fashion, and sewing. Um, And I'd say the second one is the most urgent are all these Ukrainian Jewish, um, you know, uh, refugees in a way from Ukraine coming home. There's so many issues that they have from needing a bed to sleep in to uh, appliances for, you know, that they need. However, 
there's just so many needs across the board. And I would just mention to you too, um, that one of the latest thing, uh, uh, groups to approach us are retired generals in the Israeli army. Wow. And it's thrilling to us because we are, hopefully will meet with a number of them, but we're trying to help some of the farmers in Judea, Samaria with installing lighting for their little farms. And also the generals would like uh, help in teaching, educating new recruits uh, to tell them why should you serve in the Israeli army? Because some are coming saying, so you want our lives. Uh, why are we fighting for this place? And they said to us straight out, we want to teach them what we were taught. Why did we come to this land? Why are we fighting for this land? Why are we willing to give our life for this land? And they said to me, and the chaplain did, we want to show them in the Torah, it has to do with God. So those are the kind of things that we want to help because I know this sounds fanatical to Christians and it might even sound fanatical to Jews, but I dream of an Israel that is Torah-based and I'm not talking about any particular group, just following God yeah, and saying to the world, hey, over here, uh, uh, we don't do that. We follow God. And let the people come and say, we're going to go someplace. Okay, you want to be first in tech. You want to be first in medical. You want to be first in warfare. You want to be, but what about being first in God? The God that birthed Israel so that she would become a light to the nations. Um, and that's, that, that I think we will invest in as much as we're allowed to do because we think that's a good, good thing. I love that, Sharon. Tristan, anything you, you would add? I, what, what if I brought the million dollars and Sharon weren't in the office? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm well, theoretical. I, what can I say? But, but I mean, the stories I've heard since just since being here this year, um, Sharon mentioned about you know beds. It's 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 a fact. People are here. They've come from Central Europe, and they, and it's not only the Ukraine, by the way, as you know, it's people are coming from neighboring countries, there's a lot coming from Russia, yes. now because they see the writing on the wall, some of them had actually started making their plans, they told me um, a few months, you know, recently, they were saying that they made plans before the war started to come, um, because they could just see the way it was, it was going. And just a couple of weeks ago, we, we bought a little bed for a lady Ukrainian lady, because she told um, Tina, a lady that works in, uh, we call it Open Gates at our distribution center, that she, she'd been sleeping for, for months on in a hallway in on the hallway. floor. Um, there was just no room for her where she was staying, and she's not the only one. Um, so there's big needs here. And what can I say? There's inflation everywhere. There's cost of living crisis everywhere. But in Israel, things are so expensive, uh, as you know, Jonathan. Yes. And, and people come here from, from other countries, other Western countries, and they're shocked at how much things cost. What must it be like coming from the Ukraine? I'm looking at just the food prices, let alone electrical appliances. So we have 
huge needs to try and meet. And, and we would love to give away more electrical appliances. We've been focusing on buying new microwaves, hobs, um, stoves, blenders. But yeah, we would love to do more of the bigger things like yeah, refrigerators, fridge freezers, washing machines. We've been doing some, but obviously we've got finite resources like everybody else. We would love to give away more. These are appliances that a lot of the Olin that are coming, the immigrants, they can only dream of, of buying a brand new one. It's out of reach. Um, so, yeah, join with us. Help us to, yeah. to fill this, this dream and, um, in the name of Christians so that we can continue to try and break down this mistrust and, and show them that we, they have friends. Repair the damage. Some At least repair some of the damage that was done. Damage and unconditional love. If there's no damage, unconditional love. Uh, Sharon Sanders and Tristan Hall, um, I knew it would be a delightful conversation. I apologize to anyone listening who who understands that we're really only scratching the surface of of what's behind both of you and everything that you're doing in CFI, but certainly people should connect. And uh, and I pray on just on a personal level um, that we'll individually and together have many many other opportunities to. Um, collaborate to partner to share coffee and deep conversations um because for me on just on an individual basis it's a it's a privilege but it it has many many deep roots so i'm grateful for you both great to speak to you jonathan thanks for the time thank you thank you jonathan for coming to us and listening to us we're crossing the bridge together you gotta keep going thank you so much as I always like to wrap up with a sort of a self-deprecating comment, uh, I always tell people, if you've stayed with us this long, you deserve a reward. This year, we at the Genesis 123 Foundation began offering a special gift every month connected to the Inspiration from Zion podcast. Every month we give away what we call a special volume from Jonathan's bookshelf. So this month, I am so thrilled, uh, our good friend David Kern um, has put together an unbelievable book that's based on the film he that he uh, edited called I Am Israel, The Believer's Guide to the Rebirth of the, of the Promised Land. And, and that's going to be our gift this month. All we ask is that people follow and like Inspiration from Zion on social media and comment and share the link to this program. And when you do that this month in October, um, we're going to pick one person at random to receive a copy, not just of his book, but also the film. I also have to acknowledge our friends at the Willow Run Greenhouse in Culpeper, Virginia, who are our sponsors. And I always tell people, if you're ever in the area, go and thank them for helping make conversations Good. like this possible. And also special thanks to our friends, the Coin family, for their meaningful sponsorship. Inspiration from Zion and all the Genesis 123 Foundation programs are made possible by donations so please consider joining us to help continue the dialogue and build bridges Um, this episode i have the real privilege and and with grief but privilege uh this episode is sponsored in memory of elaine barron the mother of our good friend ken uh who's chief of staff at billy graham uh, evangelistic association she died uh, a few weeks ago at 100 years old um we pray that ken and his entire family continue to have strength and comfort 
um, in her loss and celebrate her life. Uh, if you'd like to sponsor a future episode in honor or memory of a loved one or special occasion, please be in touch with us at inspirationfromzion at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your comments always as part of a dialogue. And we invite you to send questions, especially uh, relating to traditional Judaism for our Ask the Rabbi programs. Uh, please share this uh, conversation with others who will find it of interest and continue to join us right here as we bring you more meaningful interactions about unique topics relating to Israel that you won't hear anywhere else. Wherever you are in the world, I pray that you and all your loved ones are safe and healthy and send my blessings from right here in the Judean mountains. God bless you.